Got a smile that'll melt your heart. She's always there to lend a helping hand. Her fantasy knowledge is just the start. Her skills are highly in demand. She's our Bay Area lady out there hustling for us. With that advice that we really trust, Bay Area lady, always there to help. She's not a cone, she's your favorite gal. She's the fun you build. Hello and welcome everybody to another edition of the Answering the Bell podcast. The first one. Of 2019. I'm here with my producer extraordinaire, Daniel Dopp. Hi, Hi, Daniel. Hi, Stefania. I'm really excited about today's show because, as you know, we have talked on the Answering the Bell podcast about concussions in football. In fact, we did a series when we first started doing these podcasts a couple of years ago. We did a series tied into uh, the sport of football different aspects of concussion evaluation management. You recall that, correct? Of course I do, yes. Well, today we're going to talk about concussion injuries, sort of the state of the state in a different kind of football. The football with the black and white ball, soccer. The football. And I couldn't be more excited about it, Stefania, because I loved being able to listen when we were doing it for the American football. And so now being able to understand it's a little bit different for each sport. You know, what is it that we're going to do here with uh, the football? Well, I'm very lucky because today our special guest, Daniel, is going to be Taylor Twelman. You know him because he works here um, in the halls of ESPN. We see him. He's a fabulous analyst for us for soccer. He's, of course, a former star of Major League Soccer. Primarily, his playing days were with the New England Revolution. He also played on the U.S. men's national team, played in the league for approximately 10 years, was forced to retire in 2010 because of injury and a concussion injury. And uh, Taylor has been quite vocal on the topic of head injuries in the sport, uh, trying to get people to recognize when players are injured, to do more about player management and recognition. And he promotes education and awareness through his own foundation, Think Taylor. So Taylor's going to join us and talk about the state of the state, if you will, of head injuries in the sport of soccer at all levels. And we have a special announcement related to some news for Taylor. And without further ado, we bring him in. Taylor Twelman, welcome to the Answering the Bell podcast. Stefania, how are you, my dear? I am good. Thanks so much for taking some time to join us because you really, to me, when I think of this topic... In soccer, I think of you as being one of the biggest champions for more education and awareness about head injuries in the sport. Um, you do so much to get people to be more aware, and I appreciate you taking some time to talk about it with me. Yeah, no problem. You and I have had uh, many conversations about this topic, and um, I think this is going to be an, an interesting conversation for those listening. Well, we have, uh, you know, I said I would start with a bit of the state of the state with where head injuries are in soccer. And that's a huge, you know, this is just a huge basket to open. But if I asked you, 
what is the state of the state related to how concussions are recognized and managed in the sport? What would you say? Uh, it's a good question. I, w- I would actually answer it very similar to how I would answer the same question for the NFL, uh, for the NHL, for NBA, um, in other sports. It's this. Is the awareness exponentially greater than it was 10 years ago uh, when I got my concussion that ended my career? Absolutely. Um, are the protocols more evolved? Sure. I would say yes. Um, but I still have major concerns in all sports, but especially in soccer and in the two other sports that I named, NHL and NFL in particular, is just there's one thing to have a protocol, Stefani. It's another thing on what you do with that protocol. The problem for soccer is this, is that the NBA, the NHL, hockey, American football, gridiron football, they have natural timeouts within their sport. They have natural timeouts within their game. So a proper assessment is a lot easier in those sports than it is in soccer. Professionally, you only have three subs. And so you've got to make a decision within that, and you know this being an athletic trainer and your background, that that's a very difficult task to ask of those individuals, both men and women, to make that decision within two or three minutes. You and I both know the proper time uh, in order to assess an injury, it doesn't really work in the sport of soccer. And until FIFA takes the bull by the horn, so to speak, and leads the charge, then you're putting a lot of pressure on these medical staffs and players uh, to make better decisions. So has it grown? Is the awareness yes? Have we made better decisions uh, incrementally, sure, but I still see some awful decisions. The World Cup this past summer in 2018, the right. World Cup in 2014. We, Stefani, we've seen some awful decisions. We, we have. I want to. I want to go back to first of all. Um, I want to talk about that World Cup, the most recent World Cup incident. But before that, I want to talk about the rule changes that FIFA made in 2018, just to potentially get the audience who may not be aware up to speed. Yep. And and so the number one was that the refs were allowed to stop games for up to three minutes so that medical teams could better evaluate players. That's the way the rule is described. But what that means is that they have three minutes to go out onto the field, perform an assessment. Now, I will say one thing. With medical staff being on the field, that puts them away from the manager of the team because that had been a problem in the past when the manager was hovering over. So there's that. But it essentially only gives them three minutes, as you mentioned, to make this decision, and they have to make the decision of whether the player is going to go on or whether the player needs to be pulled off the field for potentially further evaluation, and then it forces a substitution. Uh, the second rule change was team physicians have final say as to whether a player can stay in the game. And the third was the second team physician has access to in-match video replays to assist with, de- with decision-making. But as I looked at those rules, to me, they were, uh, you've already alluded to the one of not the adequate time to evaluate, um, but Everything that happens in real time still doesn't allow for a player to be substituted. And I was reading that the Premier League doctors have been pushing um, as, as recently as June of last last year for temporary substitutions up to 10 minutes while a player is being evaluated and potentially also requesting an extra substitution if you do have a concussed player. Why hasn't that change happened? Uh, mainly because FIFA doesn't want to address the issue. Uh, because if FIFA, the governing body of uh, of soccer around the world, if they addressed it and properly addressed it, and and actually 
did good with what information they have to change the sport for not only the professionals but for the younger athletes, then this thing, you and I are having a, a completely different discussion. Quite honestly, Stefania, soccer would be leading the charge in the world of changing sports, evolving while keeping the sports, but also evolving to deal with this this injury and this epidemic, so to speak. The, the interesting thing about Premier League uh, doctors is that that conversation started about a year ago with yours truly, and I had about six or seven interesting conversations with medical staffs in England, mm. and they had heard me say during the European Championships of 2016 that there is a way you could properly assess, not change the game as a whole, and those players would be taken out of harm. And you and I both know that history has shown us medically that if you take said player immediately off the field and they're properly assessed, then properly rehabilitated, then you're really going to put a huge dent into the epidemic of post-concussion syndrome and all that. The problem is is that they don't believe that people are really going to abide by the rule. What I mean by that is that let's say a Manchester United player comes off the field, a sub is made, that they're going to use that extra sub. And you can completely combat that with saying if that player comes off the field, is properly assessed, and is determined to have a TBI, then that said player can't play for six days at the minimum. Right. If you do that, no one can cheat. And if you do that, ultimately, you're allowing the, like you said, medical staff, not the managers, not the coaches, to make the decisions Stefania, you're going to make a, a real progress in the in the state of the game, and you're also going to set an example to everyone around the world. Because think about it: in the United States, we've got over 25 million people playing the sport. Not everyone has a athletic trainer, a coach, their parents, and whatnot. So, when you look at that, and that's really what we've talked about with my foundation, is that we need to put the ownership back within each player, each parent, each coach. And and I just think professionally we need to lead the example, and I think too many people are scared to actually have the conversation. Well, you're, you're absolutely right that the professional leads the example because the, the youth is where we really, you know, those of us who have a medical background and people like yourself who are aware of all these youth athletes who play the sport, you want to have an impact at that level. But they often look to the pros to see what they're doing. So when the pros change, they make a big change and they, they put a stamp on it, that can influence all the way down to the youth athletes. I do want to go back to the incident um, in the 2018 World Cup that you brought up earlier because the medical staffs also have to abide by the uh, code of doing a proper evaluation and making a proper determination for the player. And we saw with the Moroccan player who suffered an injury, uh, slapping on the face, the dousing with water. I mean, things that are... It was barbaric. Right. They're, 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 they're prehistoric when it comes to yeah. medical evaluation. Absolutely. And, you know, is that, a, in your estimation, is that a problem with education or intimidation? Um, can I say both? And it's sure. not a cop-out. But, I, 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 Stefani, I think a big part of it is education. I don't think the rest of the world uh, is, what's the lack of a better word, like in tune with the educational materials that we have in the United States. Now, I do think Western Europe is, and quite honestly, I think Western Europe's furthered some of the education in, in this conversation, especially in the sport of soccer, football around the world. But it, unfortunately, the Moroccan player 
you know, slapping in the face, water splashed, and then plays three days later with a helmet on? Right. I, and then doesn't just, re- remember? <laughs> right. I mean, what you know, it's not the Flintstones. I mean, it just, I watched it saying, and we really think that FIFA is going to change this. But the reality of the situation is this, Stefania. That was 2018. 2014, the World Cup final. Mm-hmm. You've got a German you're player going. completely knocked out. Correct. And play, telling players to score 5-2 when it's 0-0, and he has no idea where he is. And for FIFA, a month after that game, to say everything was properly followed, and we do suggest that three minutes is now the minute where you and I are both sitting here saying any kind of medical paper or any kind of data will tell you that's not even sufficient enough. That told me that FIFA doesn't care, and they don't really want to address the issue. But that doesn't mean, Stefania, and this is the most important thing I'm going to say, that doesn't mean that confederations like UEFA, like CONCACAF, like CONMEBOL, cannot do their own thing. And so while some of these you know, these countries want to say, well, we're waiting till FIFA and whatnot, I think the, the more, God, I, for lack of a better word, without, it's like well-educated and more in tune with, that, that want to be a little bit more pragmatic and proactive about it, I think they're going to force the issue on FIFA. I really believe that. Um, if not, then ultimately I ask the question, we're all wasting our time then. Right. I think I would agree with you that I think that it there's going to be sort of this groundswell from a couple people um, and by people. I, what I really mean is that the organizations driven by the people in them to make some changes. We talk about the medical evaluation and not having enough time. One of the challenges, and I know you know this as well as anyone, in evaluating con- a concussion I- injury is that so much of what you do is largely subjective. Um, there's an exchange that happens between the medical evaluator and the player. There are a couple of tests they can put you through on the sideline, but there is a largely subjective component. We don't have great objective measures. However, there is a company, and I've I've spoken about them before in our podcast um, related to NFL, when Steve Young joined the Athlete Advisory Board, but SyncThink has a tool um, that assesses eye tracking, which may then inform about brain performance. And you have some news to announce related to SyncThink. Yeah, I will be following Steve Young's um, uh, direction, and I will be on the advisory board member, another advisory board member for SyncThink. Um, I've been watching their product over the last, I'd say, two years, Stefania. And I, you know, you and I have had this conversation off podcast and off air numerous amount of times. I've been approached probably by a thousand companies. This is the only one that I'm a member on the board and that I back, and it's because of what you said. I do believe that the subjectiveness to assessing a concussion is desperately still needed. So of I'm not course. saying that's it's not part needed. of the evaluation. Any Absolutely. medical person would agree with that a hundred percent. Yeah, you have to still have that, but at some point. We need to evolve. And when you look at over the last 10 to 12 years since my concussion and talk and running a foundation and speaking to tens of thousands of athletes that had post-concussion or dealt with concussion, so many of us, if not all of us, Stefania, had something going on with our eyes. And Sing Thinks product, it, it assesses the eyes and tracking, and it gives that athletic 
trainer, that doctor, an objective measure of that. It is desperately needed. And I've probably spoken to, off the top of my head, say roughly 30 athletes in the NFL and some in soccer that have used this over the last, I'd say, eight, 12 to 18 months. And, Stefania, the one thing that catches me, that caught me by surprise is that it actually is taking away the anxiety, the anxiety away from athletes of whether or not they're concussed. Now, I'm not saying this is – you follow where I'm going, Mike? Yes, but because they're getting some objective feedback yes. that, that gives them something. So for people who may not be aware, it's a visual tracking system, and basically it's a virtual reality platform, and, and there is data that is – delivered immediately to give you feedback as to whether the eyes are tracking properly. And there's a whole lot of science that talks about the eyes being the window into the brain function. And the notion if your eye tracking is not um, what it normally is on baseline, because you can baseline test, if you have a differential, then that would be at least raise suspicion of a head injury or potentially identify that a player returning to a game is at risk for further injury. And to yeah, me, it seems I mean, like soccer is, here's where you need, oh. it, it feeds into the point of the lengthier evaluation, but it gives you a tool uh, that, that medical staffs would have on hand. Absolutely. Any sport, to be honest with you. I mean, the Golden State Warriors are now using the product because it also measures fatigue. I mean, it's just opening Pandora's box on so many things. Ultimately, it's going to lead to rehabilitation. You and I both know that. But I use this saying for a lot of people on this tool, when we have heart trouble, we check our blood pressure. When we, have a, when we hurt our knee, we get an MRI. I think it's like a thermometer for the brain. And what I mean by that is it, it literally, convi- not convinces is the wrong word, but athletes, all of these athletes, pro athletes, when they talk about the impact test, they know they can, they, it's so subjective where you take the test, it looks at your eyes, and for a lot of them, it took them off the field because they saw something was wrong. That medical professional assessed the situation and said, you know what, something's not right. But then that conversation, Stefania, which people listening don't understand fully, you've got to convince a concussed athlete to come off. That concussed athlete has absolutely no idea what he or she is doing when they're concussed because adrenaline's running through the body. You're not making right decisions. So, so much pressure is put on these medical professionals to make a subjective answer. I just think objectively we need to help the cause. This helps it exponentially. What do you think the reception will be in soccer to a tool like this? And I know it's a, a wide and open-ended question, but sort of in, in wrapping this up, what would you say um, your hopes and expectations are in terms of how soccer would receive a tool like this? My, my concern, it's actually a concern right now, is that soccer is, being fo- is following the lines, especially here in the United States, of the lines of the NFL, where you want to have a protocol, you have this protocol, but you're, so, you're not proactive about the situation. And my concern is that soccer follows that. You can't follow that. And I've said this for the last five years. Stefania, U.S. soccer could lead the charge in the world of changing it of changing it for the better. They could introduce the injury sub. They could test it. They could, it's going to evolve. What you and I did, if they decided today what the substitution rule is going to be, it's going to evolve because they're going to figure it out and they're going to fix it. But be proactive. This is a way you can be proactive. 
this is a new way you can have baseline. This is a new way that you can be proactive in trying to fix the sport. My concern is, is that because there are so many cooks in the kitchen regarding traumatic brain injury in our country that nothing really gets done, my concern is that, but my hopes are, like when the United States failed to qualify for the World Cup, that you actually make systematic changes and you get after it the right way, I, I think I, I think could really be an option and a tool to help a ton of the, uh, to help all of them in soccer. And the best part of this, Stefani, to finish this, is that they've actually found a new way to make this more affordable for youth clubs. Ultimately, that's the whole goal, right? Is we want to help our youth. We want to help kids make better decisions on the soccer field. And, and I think this is going to be a huge tool in doing that. I, I could not have said it better, but the youth is where it's at. And that's really what our interest is in protecting youth athletes. Taylor, thank you for your time today. I sincerely appreciate it. Um, congratulations on joining the board. And I hope that you continue to, I, I don't worry that I have to hope because yeah. I know you will continue to be vocal in your sport about the need for these kinds of changes and your voice is necessary. And I am proud to have you as my colleague. You know, you know me. I'll, I'll either be asked or not. You're still going to hear my voice. <laughs> Thanks so much. See ya. Well, Daniel, that was the the impassioned voice of Taylor Twelman. I don't know that you ever hear him um, without passion in his voice about the need for some of these rule changes in soccer and his hope that um, people start looking at the processes that are there. And, and obviously he's now joined the board of, of SyncThink and, and trying to help get another tool integrated into the system for player evaluation. What did you take away? Well, I thought, I mean, just for what it is, I think every sport being able to have these people that are important to it, that, you know, have this history with the sport and want to be able to help make it safer is such a massive thing. And so I'm really excited that soccer is adapting this and they're trying to find ways to be able to make it more valuable and the idea, you know, when he was talking about, you know, the idea of of uh, the way that the rules have changed and, you know, with all the substitutions and being able to play things down, like, I just, I think this is a way to help make the game safer and make, make a way to make the game smarter at the same time. Right. They have still not changed the, um, they only allow an extra substitution now in extra time, I believe. And I really hope that they get to a point where they are willing to allow a substitution for a concussed player yep. without penalizing the team. Because as long as there's a penalty associated with a medical condition, it's going to cloud the issue. And I think that's where the people need the proper time and space to evaluate a player and potentially remove a player without the team sustaining a, a penalty ultimately um, as a as a result of an injury, so and that's a thing that as a player you are very well aware. That I mean, it's not just the coaching staff for saying like we don't want to do this. Like you as the player are not going to want to say, guys, I think I might have a problem because you know it's going to hurt all right. of your. Friends they have a the limited team. number of substitutions, so if they're at the end and of using their substitutions currently as it stands in soccer, and a player suffers a head injury or any other injury, but um, we were, we're, we're talking with the focus on concussions. They cannot then substitute for that player yeah. in the, in the regulation time. So got to change. Um, yes, that, and we're always looking for ways to improve the evaluation and rehab of players who've suffered uh, concussion type injuries. So thanks to Taylor Twelman for joining us today. Thank you, Daniel, for being by my side. Thank you for showing up for the podcast today, <laughs> Stefania. Showing up.
that's what I get. Well, America, thank you for listening. And uh, as always, until next time, stay healthy.